0: Opinions expressed on ACB media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
1: The following program contains topics particular to the LGBTQ community. Some discussions may contain mature themes. As such, listener discretion is advised.
0: This is Pride Connection, sponsored by BlindLGBTPride.org, otherwise known as BPI, every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. on ACB Media 1 and shortly after on all your major podcast catchers. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Pride Connection. I am one of your hosts, Anthony Corona. I am here with the fabulous, the incredible, uh, what color are your nails this week, Mr. Byron Lee?
2: Hello, hello, hello. See, I'm trying to come up with my own three-word uh, greeting to everyone. <laughs> and salutations, 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 I think it was a little too long, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I like the hello, it's the shucky, shucky feel to the hello. hello. <laughs> All right, well, today we are going to dive into a topic that I think is interesting for all of our listeners out there, and it's the LGBTQ experience in our formative slash high school, maybe even early college years um, from a bunch of different perspectives. We've got folks on here that went to blind-oriented schools. We've got folks on here that were mainstream their entire life that have lost sight midlife. We've got folks that were mainstreamed but had sight loss issues from early on. So I think it's going to be a real interesting conversation. Let's say hello to our participants this week. Could you introduce yourselves one by one and just tell us a tiny little bit about yourself?
3: Hi, I'm Destiny. I am a asexual, genderqueer person who is passionate about many, many things. I wear many hats and I've been on Pride Connection a few times. I even helped to host two different episodes. So you all should be hopefully familiar with me by now, but it's good to be here.
0: All right. We're going to unpack those hats one by one a little bit later on. Amethyst, introduce yourself.
4: My name's Amethyst. I'm bisexual or pansexual depending on your terminology. I have a guide dog who likes to chew his bones while I'm talking, so we're going to move away from him for a minute. I also enjoy mermaiding, gardening, and cooking.
0: Have you tried combining the mermaiding and the cooking together yet?
4: Not yet, but that's actually a good idea.
0: (laughs) That's a pride connection all in itself. Stay
1: tuned, folks. I believe we have Chris with us tonight. Yes. Hello, everybody. It's Chris Snyder. And uh, I am totally blind since birth and gay. And I was mainstreamed, except for a tiny stint in preschool, where I went to a blind specific preschool. All right. Thank you. Am I missing anyone?
5: Hello, I'm Jessica. I have low vision since birth, and I was also mainstreamed uh, for most of my life, except for also a brief stint in preschool when I was in a class with people with all manner of disabilities, not just visual impairment, but elementary, middle, high school, college, I have been mainstreamed. And... I enjoy creating all forms of art and dabbling in lots of different media. And I also enjoy singing a lot.
0: You know, we might get a little verse and a chorus out of you at some point within this hour. But thank you so much for being here. Byron, tell us just a little bit about you and
2: your journey. Well, I am uh, low vision. I went to a blind-oriented preschool and then was mainstreamed for the rest of my academic career. I am pansexual and uh, genderqueer, and um, yeah, Pride Connection is kind of like one of my favorite projects. It's one of the things that I love spending time working on. So yeah,
0: awesome. Well, I identify as gay, and you know, I consider myself a little bit of an alpha male, but I say that I'm gay with a twist. Um, Because every once in a while, I enjoy a cherry and, you know, that's just life. Sometimes you want something of the vanilla flavor and sometimes you want a little chocolate. So we can be all that we want to be. Amethyst, tell us a little bit about your school experience um, and how LGBTQ came into your life and how it was available or not available to you in your formative years.
4: Oh my goodness. So I was kind of taught through the attitudes of my peers that being gay was supposedly wrong. And, you know, funnily enough, like before I knew anything about that, I remember being attracted to a friend of the family. She was a teenager. I was eight years old and feeling attraction for her and you know, didn't really think anything of it. And a year later, you know, people like my my peers, as I mentioned before, would use the terms gay, homosexual, lesbian, very derisively. And so, you know, I had it put into my head, like you can't explore any of this or you'll be a pervert. And, you know, kids would call me the F slur at school. Like, I'm I'm pretty sure they didn't know what they were talking about. I think they just wanted to bully me. And then when I was 14, um, you know, I'd lived in the South and Southwest. I think that's important to bring up. When I was 14, we were, we had moved to the Pacific Northwest and somebody, this is being recorded, so I'm not going to divulge any information about this person, but they had come out to me as bisexual and, you know, I started to navigate the world as you know, like it might be okay to be attracted to the same sex and started having suspicions about myself, but I didn't want to seem like I was copying the person that came out to me. So I kind of left it in the closet and brought it out again when I was around 17 or 18. I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely bisexual. And um, I... But up
0: until that point, was there any was there any representation around you that you, that you could see?
4: Not like right in my face. Um, You know, like if there was gay people around me, they certainly didn't tell me. I remember watching this special on MTV about sex and these bisexual girls talking and, you know, but other than that, I don't think I knowingly knew anybody who was on the LGBTQ spectrum until I was in my mid twenties, but that could also have to do with, you know, you're not just going to shout it out if you don't feel safe to do so. So,
0: yes, Absolutely. So let's put a pin right there. Cause we're going to come back to that point in your story after we listen to um, everybody else here. So destiny, I think generationally you're, you know, you're in the next generation for me at least. And I think most of us on this call, is it the same experience for you? Was there no representation that you could see around you to help you identify?
3: Absolutely. I mostly went to the Mounds for the Blind because I lived in Maryland. And then I lived, but actually I did find out that there were people who went there, who actually taught there, taught there in different departments. But it was kind of like a hush-hush. Like, like, you know you know she's a lesbian right you know you know that kind of thing and then you were like once in a while hear someone say that's so gay so it wasn't really talked about and then if it was you just heard like gay or lesbian and sometimes you would hear like transgender mentioned like on tv or whatever but it was not I didn't hear it very often it was usually also just like the binary trans experience so I even when I was in college, like, you know, I heard that there was a rainbow club at CCBC or whatever, but I didn't think to go there because I thought I was straight back then. <laughs> because when you're growing up ace and straight is the default. And so.
0: just so our listeners know, ace is asexual. And, yeah. you know, it, the default that society and, and just the, the emotions themselves place is to put it in the straight category.
3: Yes.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. So, Byron, what about you?
2: Well, I I can sum up my understanding of my sexuality as far as anything aside from straight in high school or elementary school with one sound effect. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) So I didn't know. I mean, I knew, but I didn't know, right? Like, let's be honest. There were definitely times in the privacy of you know, my own bedroom that I had fantasies, but I had girlfriends and I was raised straight. And, you know, the F slur was commonly used at my house as a joke. Um, I don't think I ever heard it in a directly hateful way, like, oh, that person's such an F, but it was used pointedly as a joke that shirt Mm. makes you look gay. Those pants Mm. are too tight. That looks gay. And so I just really was kind of like unaware at a conscious level of my sexuality, but I knew that things were going on because I would see my female counterparts at school and, and I would feel an attraction to them, but I would also feel like a desire to look more like them. And it was funny because when I was younger and I had this voice, you know, this this um, higher voice, it actually it sounded... It sounded kind of more like this. Um, you know, my, my Valley voice...
0: That girl. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: know, like totally for sure. So my voice was pretty high when I was younger and I used to think, when is my voice going to change? When am I going to have
0: one of these voices, you know?
2: And and that didn't happen for me. And at the time, I was disappointed because everybody else had deeper voices. And now that I'm older, I'm like, I'm glad that didn't happen because it's more androgynous. It's more mysterious as to what gender I am. And I kind of like that now. But when I was younger, it was like, <laughs> I didn't want bright colors because that people might think I might look mm. gay or or I didn't mm. want you know, form-fitting clothing or, you know, anything that was outside of the... um, I wanted everything masculine because that was what was cool.
0: So we're building towards something here. I'm going to put a pin in you for a moment, Byron. Jessica, please tell us a little bit about your experience.
5: I was in high school at the tail end of the 1990s and early 2000s, and... I can remember hearing some of the jokes you all talk about. Um, Fortunately, I didn't hear the worst slurs too much, but whenever something had too many stripes or too many bright colors or maybe somebody was roller skating, everybody, especially the boys, went, oh, that's so gay. So now that we're all adults and there's this, favorite queer news and pop culture site that I visit, when something is aesthetically tacky or not quite right, they'll go, oh, that's homophobic. (laughs) So it's kind of like giving that period that we live through kind of a dose of its own medicine. Um, And you're right, there was not a lot of representation back then, although I will say that I had... A couple of quote-unquote troublemakers. I was also very much left alone in high school just because I looked different and acted different, mainly because I had low vision. So I was very much alone, except for two or three troublemakers that would sit and have lunch with me. And I think that... Some of them might have been out, but it was very foreign. Like, I didn't understand their experience, and I wish that I would have.
0: Wow, that's heavy. Knowing what you know now, do you think they were seeing something in you that you weren't ready to see in yourself?
5: That's possible although i will share kind of a funny anecdote we were sitting in the courtyard one day my high school had these beautiful courtyards and they were like trying out and practicing their gaydar and like trying to like quote unquote clock people as they walk down the hall whether they were gay or straight or bi and they looked at me and said oh you're so totally straight so it's possible might have but i was very very like traditional in the way I dressed and everything at the time
1: Chris your experience wow well (laughs) I think like a lot of folks uh in our generation the gen x zennial millennial generation we uh, (laughs) it wasn't at all for the majority of us safe to come out in any way during school years the best we could do was maybe college if we were lucky and uh i knew really early on about eight that i liked boys but i was also growing up in a christian household going to a christian church and that put quite a fear into me to even the best i could do was secretly experiment with with my friends and uh In high school, there were a couple of brave kids um, who I have now gotten to know a little better as adults and thanked them for their courage, in fact. But there were a couple of very brave boys that I knew who were out and they spent most of their high school life alone. There were a lot of people who wouldn't associate with them. They weren't necessarily bullied, um, but they were left alone and being the incredibly social creature that i am i was not able to in i wouldn't have been able to endure that so uh, and uh, and having college thankfully allowed me to open up and and have my first out boyfriend and 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 do more in that way but it was a, it was a it was a tough time to be gay uh it, it's not like it's roses now don't get me wrong but it was it was pretty tough
0: you know i I feel you I think my experience echoes yours really closely, and I was in New York City and so we were exposed to it. There were representations all throughout the community in school and I remember sex ed being taught about it, but at the same time going you know into the lunchroom, into the cafeteria into the gym, whatever, and hearing the jokes and things and like saying to myself, okay." It's normalized to an extent, but once you hit that point, it hits the society ridicule, you know, kind of screen. You're always in the spotlight. And why do you have to shove I'm, it
1: down your throat? Why do you have to be in our face? Yes,
0: exactly. And I'm one, I'm one of those ones that actually I didn't know at eight, I didn't know at twelve, I didn't even know at fourteen. I was in the middle of high school when I started to kind of realize. And when I look back, there were things when I was eight and 12 that I, you know, could have picked up on, but my brain didn't assimilate it until I was 16 years old in the middle of high school. And I was like, whoa, no, uh uh-uh, this cannot happen. Everything was going good with the girls. Had it, wait, wait, why? But, you know, like you, I got to college and that world afforded me the space and the opportunity to understand and, and live it without all that microscopic looking from my home community. But we were building towards something. And I think what we're building towards tonight is whatever the experience or from whatever the genesis of the experience, whether it be a blind school or program, whether it be a mainstream, whether we were low vision from an early age or like me, I sight until about six years ago the LGBTQ portion of our experience all seems to kind of follow the same narrative. So I wonder now if you were going through high school five, I don't want to say now, because unfortunately the Supreme court wants to erase us and make us like we don't exist. But if you were going through high school five years ago, do you think you would have had the same coming to LGBTQ outness that you had in your experience. And let's go backwards. Chris, you take it first.
1: No. The answer is no. Um, I don't think it would go the same now as it went then. (laughs) I think that particularly the Zoomers, and, and I think society too, has become more accepting, despite our ridiculous Supreme Court's behavior. And I think we, um, yes. Are there places still where, where kids are going to get bullied and treated badly because they come out? Yes, there are in this country, you bet. But I think by and large, we've come to a place where a kid can be at least be openly LGBT and not get quite so much pushback as we used to. There were, I mean, you still hear about our brothers, sisters, and siblings Unaliving themselves because they can't take yeah. the the bullying that they're being treated to. The
0: ridicule and the pressure.
1: Yeah, um, and so it's still a problem, and it still needs work. We we're, we still need to work and do the work, but I think it's better even so. Amethyst, what about you?
4: Um, I'd have to agree with Chris. I think um, because. Another thing to consider is that there's more LGBTQ representation in TV and in movies and stuff than there was back when we were all in high school. Because I mean, what did we have in high school? Um, There were gay characters on Roseanne, but they weren't the main characters. And they had very special episodes, you know, but it wasn't like, A main character that you're going to see every week or, you know, binge watch on Netflix. I think, you know, there's still going to be bullying and still going to be some pushback, but I, I think there's more support. I think that's what it boils down to. There's more support.
0: Jessica, do you think it would have made a difference in your journey if you were in high school now versus then?
5: Yes, I definitely think so. I think if we had had more media representation that maybe I would have figured myself out sooner uh, because as it went in my life, it only took a couple of those binge watching on Netflix shows to start kind of opening the door a little bit and realizing what was going on inside of me. So media does play a big role also. I think that knowing what I know now about psychology and families and what we inherit emotionally from our families, I wish that I could have had more mature conversations with those people that hung out with me as it was, we didn't really hang out much outside of school. And I'm just thinking maybe I could have been a better influence on them and encourage them a bit more.
2: How about you, Byron? You know, in, in high school, there was a show on the radio called love line. And when people would call in who were gay, my interest was piqued and I didn't really understand why, but that show piqued my interest and it made me start thinking a lot. And I think That if there had been more representation back then of positive gay figures, you know, not, not butts of the joke, we have so many positive LGBT representations on television now that we didn't have back then. And I think if that had existed, I might've been more interested in learning more and also things like, um, I was watching a show on HBO max a couple of months ago called generation. And it's about a bunch of high schoolers who are LGBTQ And they had a gay straight Alliance at their school and they had a rainbow flag on the door to the room that they go into to, to have their club. There was never any mention of a club for gay kids in high school. I I didn't realize I was gay at the time, or at least I, I wasn't outwardly ready to admit it back then, but if I had known. Oh, drama club theater. That's where all the gay kids are. No, I was too, too obsessed with my computer to pay attention to that. First of all. So even if there was like, Hey, the gay kids are over here. Uh, even if that, that was available back then, I probably wouldn't have noticed it because I was too busy hanging out in the AV room. (laughs) So, but no, I think five years ago, Uh, If I'd seen a rainbow flag on a door, I might have gone, I'm not sure about these feelings inside of me, but at least I'm going to go in this room and maybe like learn something and explore that avenue. Whereas back then we didn't even have that opportunity.
0: So, you know, it's no secret. I graduated from high school in the late 90s, went to college. I didn't hear of a gay-straight alliance until I got to college. Um, I went to Hofstra in Long Island, very worldly. It's a very... Culturally open campus, um, and when I got there, it was just like, wow, there were people of every ilk you could possibly imagine, and and I encountered the Gay Straight Alliance, and I was like, wow, it's okay to just be this and go to class and go to work and drive the car and hang out and drink beer, whereas in high school, you know, it, it was it was the joke, it was. It was the bullying and the the pushing down. So it's it's amazing how far we've come and how much we have that we have to
2: protect. Anthony, before you continue your questions, I have one for you. In high school, when you were figuring out your sexuality, you were also an athlete. And my question for you is, what was life like as someone who was dealing with feelings of of gayness you know like feeling that that attraction to the same sex and being in an athletic situation did you get a lot of bullying did people make derogatory remarks for you and did that get any better did you have any gay brethren in your athletic community you know what what was that like for you
0: i'm so sorry that i'm going to disappoint you but that was not my experience i was popular. I had really good friendships. My teammates were cool. I wasn't attracted to anyone that I was on the team with or anything like that. It it was more, well, honestly, it was this college guy, but there was never going to be anything with him. So I didn't really think about it too much. And I had a girlfriend. And as far as, you know, being on the team and things, I was one of the cool ones. So.
2: Well, what about. what about Get like that when that experience you... of bullying. <laughs> what about like when you got to college? Uh, were, you, were you still in, in baseball in college? Uh, all right. Uh, yeah. So I was
0: still with the girl and she had a formal she was at a college. She was in Syracuse. I was in Long Island. She had a formal. I didn't think I could go. I just started to surprise her at the last minute. I showed up the formal. She was with another guy. I ended up hooking up with that guy later on. And that was my first experience. And I thought after that, I was like, well, all right, you know, this is what it is. And when I went back to school, I just started being that. And no, I didn't really have a bad experience with that either. It, it was not talked about. It was just like, oh, hey, okay, now he's looking up with dudes.
2: Right. Because I was thinking it could go one of two ways, right? You could either have uh, homophobia or you could have one of two things that are positive teammates that don't really care. And it's not talked about, like you said, or, Hey, actually like half the guys in this team are, are at least some variant of gay and welcome to the club, you know?
0: Um, Okay. So I'm going to dispel you with the, with that notion. What it was, was I didn't care. I came back to school. I started hooking up with guys. I didn't care. Nobody would have come to me with anything like that because before that I was a competent person. And as I came out, I said, you know what, this is who I am a- and like it or not. If you don't like it, you're not my friend anymore. And there really weren't very, very many people that weren't my friend anymore. And I know I'm lucky in that experience. I'm not trying to downplay the negative experiences that other people had, but I know that because I, exuded from the very beginning that this is what it is and i'm good it made most of the people around me good too
2: that's awesome well thank you it,
0: it kind of was
2: <laughs> yes what could
3: high school people especially high school staff teachers who are allies how can high schools keep things safe and comfortable for lgbt students
1: provide a safe space for support Um, You don't have to necessarily be LGBT yourself, but if if you have a classroom, if you have a study hall, if you are an administrator, be a person who will not tolerate bullying of any kind in your presence and be someone who, if a kid shows up with unaccepting parents or friends or whatever, just be there and listen. You don't have to do anything. You just need to listen. And that will help immensely.
2: I think one of the things that's really hard about coming out at any age is that people feel this like desire or need to tell you about all the things that they're afraid about as far as your life and your coming out. I'm just nervous for you that it's going to impact your job. I'm nervous that it's going to impact your safety. I'm worried that you're not, you know, what if you decide that you're not gay after all and then you can't get any girls interested because you've put out this image of, you know, I'm gay, you know, and the big thing is just listen, just listen to the person who's coming out and be there for them. You don't have to give advice. Also, if I may add, if your state
1: has passed, these horribly fascistic laws about reporting students who tell you that they're gay or, or trans or whatever, just lie. Just let it go in one
0: ear and out the other. Listen with compassion. Answer questions if asked, and don't put anything on paper or type into the damn computer and it send. It's not worth it.
3: And thank you so much for answering these questions. I was just thinking about it, it's like how can we make things improved? You know, especially. For people who might not have media representation or might not be in a mainstream school, you know?
0: We have to implore people to understand that whatever a person feels, how they present, how they want to be, what their inside tells them, what it might be versus what their outside might look like, we have to have compassion and hear the soul, hear the individual rather than what society all of just be open enough to just let
1: someone be who they are. This world could use a lot more empathy on display.
4: Can I add something to the coming out? If someone comes out to you and you're an ally. Yeah. One thing you can do is acknowledge and thank them for trusting you enough to share that information.
0: Good point.
2: You know, I was just thinking about this destiny, like what, what can a school do to make things more safe? And I think one amenity that would be really helpful is to have at least one bathroom that is gender neutral, or at least like a single person bathroom or something, something like that, because you know, there are kids who are in the process of transitioning and they don't always pass as the gender that they're trying to be, or they pass too much. And they're being forced to use the bathroom that's assigned to their gender. Can you imagine someone who is a trans man and they're forced to go use the women's restroom and they're now, you know, looking like a dude in a bathroom with a bunch of girls and you know, they're going to get, they're going to get nasty looks or, or nasty words or possibly violence and same thing with the other way around we have to provide a safe space for people to go pee
1: if you happen to be on um in the kindergarten elementary school area and you've been told you know that you can't allow any lgbt content whatsoever if if little johnny or little jane comes and and on show and tell and and it's family day and you're supposed they're supposed to talk about their don't shut them down if they have two moms or two dads don't just just be kind and ignore that stupid rule
3: yes and on the topic of gender also like have more co-ed sports what's wrong with having just
1: a baseball team or just a football team not the boys baseball or girls football like just have a football team or a baseball team or a swim team and and don't don't obsess over that
2: god i i wish that we didn't sort people into pink or blue the minute they pop out into this world um i wish that we gave people time to discover their gender and also be their religion give people a time and a chance to like discover what's out there and choose for themselves instead of just foisting it upon them upon birth
0: i so agree with you but this is this is what the world will tell you that's how life is until a person reaches the age of 18 when they can go out and make their own choices and at that point they can make their choices i agree the world should be open enough for every child born into this world to be able to experience anything they think they want to experience but that's not reality. That's utopia. We'll never, ever get there. The best we can hope for is that along the way, there'll be enough people that will show them that there's all different kinds of life. They don't have to choose the one that they happen to be living in the
4: moment. So it used to be that all babies were dressed in white because that's a color that's easier to bleach and boys and girls all dressed the same, like they all wore dresses because it helped with potty training, and I think if we 're going to turn anything back, maybe it should go back to that
2: yeah and and you know anthony i, I don 't know if I agree with you i mean I, I agree with you in our lifetimes, right like it 's not going to get there in our lifetimes, but society is based on a set of rules that we as a society have uh, have agreed upon, and I firmly believe that we can achieve that Star Trek utopia or at least something close to it, there'll always be conflict. There'll always be you know, disagreements. There'll always be people who want to go back to the good old days when men were men and women were women. But I do think that it is achievable by this human society. It just might not happen before I'm long dead and in the ground.
0: I will concede to that. I agree with you there. But you have to look at it from the span of, we were in a very different place in the 1970s. Toward the end of the eighties, we were in a complete reversal. By the end of the nineties, we were almost close to that utopia, and then little by little, things seemed to erode. Even though we got victories within that time space, but it started to erode. That's the cyclical nature of history.
2: Yeah, it's an ebb and flow. The tide of the tide of opinion or societal um, beliefs, and we have to fight for our for our shore. Yeah, that's why we
0: have to continue to be loud. Absolutely,
1: I would say that there is no, there's no, there's nothing stopping anyone from believing what they want to believe and practicing whatever religion they want or following whatever philosophy makes them happy. But the second you start to impose. Your way of doing things on everybody else and forcing them at the point of a legislative pen to follow your way because you believe it's the best way, that's when we get into trouble and that's where it needs to stop.
0: So, when we think about the Don't Say Gay bills and the various things that are being presented in legislation across the country, are we going back to what we went through? Did we? come so far only to go back
1: not if i got anything to say about it <laughs> no i i i i don't i i don't think so i think what's happening is that there is a loud portion of the population who is small and who are feeling threatened because they are seeing that there's a lot of change going on in there and they're scared of it And they've got a certain news media. Well, I won't call them news. I won't dignify them with that. But there are certain agencies who are perpetuating propaganda and trying to push this viewpoint of, quote unquote, groomers and and all this other nonsense. And I just, I think this is the, I hate to, I think this is the last gasp of a that gener- of a generation yeah. who who simply has had too much change and they can't handle it anymore and so they're retreating into their shells and and being afraid and lashing out and i think that once i hate to say it this way but once they have moved on past beyond the rim i think um it's going to be a little different it's going to be better
0: destiny from your perspective do you think the generations that are behind us that are following us, this is a non-issue to them or or close to a non-issue. And that as Chris so eloquently puts it, when they pass beyond the rim, this won't even be an issue in society at all.
3: I don't know because we said that about race we said that about racism in the past. We said that about probably a lot of things. And the thing we gotta remember is those old people who people are just kind of waiting to die off, they raise up young people and some of them might realize the harmful viewpoints that were inherited onto them. Hopefully most of them will, but there's, I, I hate to say it, and this might be very pessimistic of me, but there's always going to be a faction. Now, for instance, I have family members who are actually younger than me. They're not, Anti LGBT, but they're complete Trump supporters.
0: Amethyst, from your perspective, is there going to be a time when this is a non issue, or is there always going to be a sector or a subsector that's always pushing back against?
4: I think knowing what I have learned about history. There's always going to be pushback. I think that with, you know, access to historical events and reading about what's happened before and what's going on now, I do hope that current generations and generations after us will be armed with the information that they're just not going to lie down and play dead when their rights are being ripped out from under them. And, um, even if the dinosaurs become extinct, I think that there's always gonna be like one egg waiting to hatch with those beliefs. And, you know, we're always gonna have to be prepared and have our voices heard and vote and make sure that we don't have to go back in the closet for safety's sake.
0: So, Jessica, changing the, the tone for a second. What's the message to our straight allies out there and the ones that are listening that don't want us, that don't want to support us or believe in us?
5: Well, we've always been here. We're here now. We're not going anywhere. So Mm. get used to it. (laughs) Amen, sister.
0: (laughs) That's, yeah. Byron, take us out tonight with... What the message for, you know, those of us that are coming up, the little ones that may access this podcast and this might be their first glimpse into what the world is. What's your message to them?
2: You know, when destiny was talking about the intersection of race and homophobia and how it's, they're both based on hate. It wasn't about the water fountains back then. And it's not about the bathrooms now. And we know from experience that the people who are trying to hold us down and push us back in the closet, they're on the wrong side of history. We've, we've seen society become more and more progressive and we keep fighting and we keep being loud. We keep pushing our, our message of human rights, like, you know, LGBT rights are human rights, right? Um, keep pushing that message and we will get there. It's just going to take time. We have a lot of hateful people that still exist in the world and they don't want to hear our message, but we're going to make them hear it. Cause, cause we're going to have to be loud. And that the other thing is once we get what we want, we can't start being quiet because that's, that's when they start taking it back from us. Uh-huh and and when we
1: when we achieve a victory we can't sit quietly after that we thought marriage uh, was going to be fine and settled law and we're we're done and we've got it and we're cool and here comes old Clarence Thomas going yeah we should revisit that um no we really sh- we really shouldn't and we're not going to let you do that so it's going to take all of us United. I don't care what part of the spectrum you're on. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're straight and an ally. Whatever part of it you are with in terms of your your place, if you believe in inclusion and acceptance, then we all have to stand united and really, really firmly hold the line against the darkness. It's the only way we're going to make it.
0: And that comes with the biggest responsibility that we're given if we choose to take and believe that we have the power when we go and step up and cast that vote. We have to know that the vote that we're casting is for someone that's going to say, yes, this is law. Yes, this is going to stand. Yes, we are going to go forward, not backwards, when it comes to the rights of every single kind of person in this country. How we can get into some really really good conversations and then we boost track of time and we are at the end of our hour tonight i want to say that if you like this conversation please hit up blind lgbt pride.org or acbmedia.org podcasts and pride connection this is what we present every two weeks on acb media and we'll be back with another show in two weeks good night
2: Hey, everybody. I wanted to give you a few resources before we wrap up tonight's show. So if this is your first time hearing us, this show is called Pride Connection. It is a production of Blind LGBT Pride International, and we are an affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. You can find our website at blindlgbtpride.org. Our mission is to promote the awareness, inclusion, and well-being of blind and visually impaired LGBT people through education, advocacy, and peer support. As a BPI member, you get access to certain perks. For example, we have a WhatsApp group where you can speak or type with other blind LGBT people in the American Council of the Blind. We also have a mailing list that you can contribute to. There are numerous opportunities to help out in our organization as well. For example, we're looking to start working on our social media presence. And if that's something that interests you, you can join that committee. For more information, again, send an email to membership at blindlgbtpride.org. If you are an LGBTQ youth, here are some resources that you can access online or by phone. The Trevor Project has some direct online resources specifically for LGBTQ youth. The Trevor Lifeline is a crisis intervention and suicide prevention phone service available 24-7 at 1-866-488-7386. Again, the Trevor Lifeline is at one 866 Four eight eight seven three eight six. Trevor Chat is confidential online instant messaging with a Trevor counselor available twenty four seven at trudge available twenty four seven at dot slash get dash help dash now. If you prefer to text, send the word start to six seven eight six seven eight, and you'll be connected with a Trevor counselor. Trevor Space is an affirming international community for LGBTQ young people ages 13 to 24, available at trevorspace.org. Q chat Space is a bully-free online community of LGBTQ teens that can chat with other LGBTQ teens and train staff from LGBTQ centers around the country. You can access QChat Space at qchatspace.org. Gender Spectrum Lounge is a global online community for gender-expansive teens, their families, and support professionals to connect, collaborate, and find resources. You can access the Gender Spectrum Lounge at genderspectrum.org/lounge. National Runaway Safeline is a federally designated national communication system for runaway and homeless youth, available 24-7, 365, providing access to resources and listening professionals. You can call NRS at one 800 Runaway, or at one 800 runawayorg org. The Validation Station is a free texting service that sends daily gender-affirming and uplifting text messages to trans and non-binary youth. You can access the Validation Station at validationstation.net. Trans Lifeline Hotline is a peer support service run by trans people located all over the U.S. and Canada for trans and questioning callers. You can call Trans Lifeline Hotline at 877-565-8860. The LGBT National Help Center offers a talk line and weekly chat rooms for youth providing confidential peer support, information, local resources, and community. You can call the LGBT National Youth Talk Line at 800-246-7743. You can access the weekly youth chat rooms at glbthotline.org youthchatrooms. True Colors United has created an online COVID-19 Action and Resource Center providing the most up-to-date resources for youth and adults experiencing homelessness. They include resources for folks working in the field, advocates making a difference, and young people looking for help. You can access the Action and Resource Center at truecolorsunited.org coronavirus-action-resource-center. Many PFLAG chapters are meeting virtually or providing one-on-one virtual support as requested for parents and guardians of LGBTQ youth. Go to PFLAG.org forward slash find to look up the PFLAG chapter in your area and reach out by phone, email, or on social media to learn more about their virtual support options. This is Pride Connection a podcast produced by Blind LGBT Pride International. You can find more information about us at blindlgbtpride.org. See you in two weeks.
0: You've been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind Pride International, a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. Please check us out at blindlgbtpride.org.
2: Some-